Probably science. I am Andy Wood, joined as always by Brooks Whelan. Hello. And Matt Kirshen is still out of the country, but we are lucky enough to have a special guest with us. We're actually at his house in, is this Atwater Village? Yes, it is. Ooh. It is. You've seen him on uh, Nick Swartz's Pretend Time on Funny or Death Presents. He's the host of the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. It's Duncan Trussell. Hi. Duncan Trussell. Thanks for letting us come over and do this. Oh, thanks and, for coming over. Yeah, Andy was a half hour late, so Duncan read my tarot cards, I think nice. is what that's called. It was yes. a real what's experience. The, what's the verdict? We don't know, really. Nothing. Yeah, no. there's no verdict. <laughs> no conclusion to be reached from that stuff? No. No. Generally not. I was hoping to hear, because I mean, Duncan, I think that you are, you're, you're, a, you're a thinker. Certainly your podcast is, is philosophical, I would say. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if... if uh, I think you were sort of into some non-traditional kinds of, of thought and yes. of ways of thinking. So I, I wish I want to hear. I, w- I wish you could have said what the tarot cards actually said because I like. They really didn't hearing. say anything. Well, ta- this is see the problem is that tarot cards are a uh, you know that thing where you where you like eat mushrooms and stare at a tile floor and the, <laughs> com- the tiles like will let you project your the contents of your brain onto the tiles. Uh-huh. So tarot cards are kind of like that where they each card contains so many different symbols in one card that you're definitely going to grab meaning out of it no matter what. It's really hard to not grab meaning out of a card that's got 90 symbols, a star and a dog and a moon and a pond and all these things and not numbers that represent things. So ideally a good tarot deck is, um, it's like a Rorschach test almost. Exactly. And, and yeah, so it's, it's, you know, a lot of people, they, um, they, I think they misinterpret what cards are, and it's not, they believe that it's some kind of prognostication thing where it's pointing, tell it, it's like tuning into some point in the future. Uh-huh. But I've always just thought it's more of a measuring kind of like where you are in the rapids of time okay. and what direction you're kind of floating in based on your own mental, uh, your the constructs that you're carrying around inside yourself. So is it almost like a creative writing exercise more than it is some kind of future predictor kind of thing? Or? Well, I think it's a little bit more than that because there's that notion if you buy into the idea of the like the Jungian idea of the collective unconscious and uh-huh. the idea that there's a like these kind of like archetypes that everybody carries around like in the same way that like you can take a a plant in the United States and then you can take some very exotic plant from the Amazon mm-hmm. and they're both going to be photosynthetic and they're both going to have some of the basic structures inside of them that tend right. to run all plants there's this idea that within us there's this subjective these subjective constructs and which is why myths all tend to have the same patterns in them because they're Ooh. representations of some I- internal structure there's some blueprint in the back of all of our yeah. brains right. that wants us to okay I have, I have an exercise i'm reading this book right the the chuck Klosterman book i was talking about mm-hmm. it's called like sex drugs and cocoa puffs it's just this dude who writes essays and he puts this like um this like uh, paradox forward or whatever, like you can choose what you want. Um, like you come across a crystal ball and you can see 30 seconds into your future, 20 years. So you'll see 30 seconds of what is guaranteed to be you in 20 years. Like it's a static future. It will happen no matter what. And you look into this ball and you see that you are sitting alone in your house and there's Canadian football league f- pennants all over your house. 
you're watching a Canadian football league game on television, you are really enjoying it. Like you're smiling yeah. and you're into it. There's Canadian football league uh, huh. magazines all over your desk. Yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, in 20 years, I'm so into Canadian football like, league. my dreams came true. Like, it's nuts. <laughs> okay. So then the, the next day, after you see that, you, you're flipping through the channels, you see on TV coming is a Canadian football league preseason game. Do you watch that game? Knowing what you know now, are you going to be like, well, let's see what this is about? Or are you going to be like, fuck no, I'm going to fight that future. The future of me liking... Canadian Football League, Canadian you will sports. like it, but the ne- the day after you find out you're about to be in love with it, you see that Canadian Football League is on television. Are you going to hey, watch Oh, you that? mean back in the present. Back in the present yeah. now, yeah. You're like, okay, I'm going to get going in this. Yeah, would you say, let's get going, or are you going to be like, no, I don't want to watch that? Well, that not that a perplexing notion? Isn't that the problem with like telling the, the like knowing about the future is like right. it kind of locks you into something? You know, the idea of destiny or something, that's what he's yeah. talking about, predeterminism and the knowledge of the future. Is that going to change the future? And he's created a rule where the future is right. not going to change at all, so you're kind of like stuck in a fly trap. Yeah. And there's no way out. But then is, is, his, is the point of him calling it that thing rather than like the NFL that we all kind of think that's lame but if you see how happy you are are you the kind of person who's like well if it's gonna make me happy I should go with both jump in with both feet I'm just saying the question was would you watch it the next day Knowing that in twenty years you will like no. it. There was no bigger I'm not context. Watch it. There was no bigger context to the question about what it says about No, there was culture there was just about... tw- it was like part of a smaller essay of twenty three like paradoxical questions. Like okay. 20, so it was one of twenty three questions that were like, What would you do in this situation? I'm gonna you, assume that I'm I not had gonna watch like that. a head injury. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was some kind of like uh, alternate future where it's like when the History Channel has "What if Hitler won?" Like oh, okay. Canada right. takes us over, and that's right. why you're into it. So, yeah. what are you? Are you going to watch mean, it? Are you going to watch that preseason if I, football if I game? See my face in the future, and I see that I'm super happy. Then I I want to at least see what this thing's about. Oh it's, man, no! See, you're know. you're going to watch it. What difference does it make? You're. It doesn't matter. I mean, you yeah. he set up this stupid future <laughs> where no matter what you do, you're going over the waterfall, right. and you're going to end up liking that. It's like, will you swim towards the waterfall or swim against it? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. no matter what you do, I'm you're swimming stuck. against it. He's a not. He's basically by creating that situation, he's negated. He's put your life into a place of such extreme, meaningless right. absurdity that you just sort of have to like shit <laughs> yourself and go nuts. Okay, there's nothing you can do once you decide that there's there's like destiny or that there's uh that we're predetermined okay. beings so there was no bigger context about enjoyment of culture i thought no he writes that was no that was like that things. was one uh pair that was like one sentence out of you know a book okay. and it was just something it's that i grasped cool. onto. what's the name of that book it's called sex drugs and cocoa puffs i think i i think i have one of his books they're like it's i kind of really like good. i feel like he thinks like i do like he's a midwestern dude who's kind of grown grown up like hating soccer and loving football and like just kind of talks about why that why he feels that way and i'm like that's how exactly how i was raised yeah. like i think soccer sucks but there's no reason why i think that <laughs> but i like that paradox though because it reminds me of this twilight zone episode where these guys crash land onto a planet and as they're exploring the planet they find their own ship another copy of it with all of them dead inside it crashed they all died oh. and they can't get off the pl- they can't get their ship to work they're like stressing out the whole episode and they finally get it to work like let's get the hell off this planet this is terrifying and um, once the ship's working again, then they take off like, well, now that we know the, the ship's working, like that's not our fate to be dead down there. That wasn't some kind of weird 
like, the ship works. Let's go back to the planet and, and do fuck it. our dead bodies. Yeah, <laughs> I would have. I would. They were like, let's go back like. and finish the mission. We didn't even get to do our mission. Let's go back to the planet. And as they go back in, they crash and they all die. So that was their future, and that was just one. You would step think removed. somebody on the ship would be like. No, he, don't you realize that that's like? <laughs> well, they were, their thinking was we ship, we fixed the ship, therefore we've beaten w- whether this was right. a parallel universe or was our future. It's fine now because right now the ship works. Not, we can go back. It's not right. Fun. All right, that one always gives me chills. We got to we're gonna do some science. Let's now. do some science. Duncan, do you have any science background? Like, did you in high school? Did I you have like a degree in psychology? All right, Boom. well that's scientific for sure. Um, what was your specialty within that? Was there like a within psychology? No uh, specialty at all. I was. I like was would pick up stuff here and there, but I was just in college for the acid, man. Hey. I wasn't. I was not like. Uh, 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 I never. I mean, I think I might have tricked myself here. I think I started off thinking, yeah, this I could do this, and then I realized how rigorous a thing it really was to get to the point where you could be a clinical psychologist, which is all I'd want to do. And it was just like, Oh, this isn't for me at all. I don't want to go through this, but yeah. So no, I didn't, I, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I, what I took away from it, I wouldn't consider it very scientific at all. And I, and I had a real strong distaste for the, um, uh, the people who were really into neuropsychology and were in like love to like wave the flag in front of you that no, you're a machine. You're just a robot. And uh-huh. everything you do is just a series of sparks firing and any sense of self that you have is just an illusion. Right, you're right. just a machine. And they love, you know, it's a ghost story. That's not, it was an right. aggressive thing. Yeah. They, yeah. She, they, I remember that professor wasn't saying that from like, the um uh, the a uh, kind of Dawkins style awe at the majestic amazing machine that we are, but just more like you're nothing in your face. Yeah, yeah. and you're nothing. Ooh. You're zeros and because ones. Because yeah. those two things can kind of go together. Because I mean, even if you are a sum of of all these parts, it doesn't mean that isn't still sounds, magical. I so, mean, it, you know, it's it, it sounds like your professor was Trent Reznor. She I like that you said when you said Doc, I thought you were like D O K K E N. It wasn't like a Dawkins song. <laughs> it wasn't like Dio, bro. Oh man. Um, okay, here's the first science story of the week. We're gonna do six science stories. Maybe we will. We'll see. Well, if we get to them, this one's fucking cool. The U.S. Uh, NASA just put out an official document warning everybody: when you get to the moon, don't touch our shit. Like, don't. T- <laughs> that's seriously what it is. It's true. They. Uh, they awesome. said, don't touch our artifacts. Uh, they're putting out this big statement Fuck you. that said, uh, hey, if you get to the moon, do not go near oh. our lunar modules. Like, Oh, you- I'm going to be the first person to put yeah. my yeah. cock on their lunar module and take a picture. They of said it. NASA recommends an artifact boundary extending 75 meters, 247 Ooh. feet from the Apollo 11 lunar module descent stage and an exclusion zone extending even further uh, 225 meters for the Apollo 17 site. You know why? Because there ain't that shit ain't up there. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Like the 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 uh, the moment that we get this stuff, <laughs> we figure it out. That's what happens. That exclusion zone is just around a patch of right. Well, their thing is, uh, it it would in the future it could be part of like uh you know a greater museum type of it idea like like a moon like hey look this is the first place we sat down on the moon and they're worried now because there's like china wants to go to the moon they're like we're going to the moon and they're like all right well don't fuck with our stuff up there and also there's a lot of uh like private companies that 
um, Google or some other companies are being like, hey, we'll give you like a huge grant if you can get a uh, robotic module on the moon. So all these like private companies are trying to come up, figure out ways to get up to the moon. So they'll like send a robot over to the module and then be like, bring back. Uh, you know, some nuts and bolts from Apollo 11 and NASA's pretty much saying, don't fucking do that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, they can't, it's not law. It's just recommendation. Yeah. How are you going to keep anyone from touching? Yeah. The moon? <laughs> hey, they're like... touching the moon stuff. Get out there now. <laughs> it just sounds like a guy in prison, like telling someone who's about to get out. Don't fuck my wife. Yeah. Yeah. I can't yeah. do shit about hey, it. Do but... not touch my wife, Mark. Yeah. That's really cool, man. That's very, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, they're shitty. If, the conspiracy theorists are right in in the moon landing. They should go farther than thirty five meters if they're right, because you can still yeah. see oh, pretty well. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's still going to be something there. It's not like they threw, flew, they they sent like props up there. There's right. something up there, right? Right. Or if there's nothing, then they would have to tell you to stay even farther away. It wouldn't otherwise be 70, you'd be able to see that there was nothing. Seventy five feet. Seventy five meters. Seventy five. Like, you know, so yeah, like a part of a football field. Yeah. Like 200 feet, pretty much. I'm, you, 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 I'm curious. Do you actually have, is there any part of you that actually thinks it might have been staged or not? Yeah. Really? Well, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Mm, I don't know. I think, it, I think it could have been staged. Like, that's maybe 5% of me, but I'm 95% they didn't I'm stage I'm 100% it. that they went there. Here's my problem. I don't see why they would have staged it. This but. is the fucking problem that I have. You don't see why they would have staged it to, for morale yeah, and the fuck you to Russia. It's, it's like 9-11 conspiracies. They would be so much more complicated than what they actually did. Why wouldn't they just... No, I agree with that? you. That's what I'm saying. But the reason to... Like, if we couldn't do it, if if, like... You know, JFK said, hey, we're going to the moon. And then like 10 years later, we'd be like, we couldn't do it. Uh, morale would have been so bummed out here. Like, yeah. like Fuck, we can't. Also, the, the, here's the here's the other side of it. Yeah. They fucking sent humans to the moon using technology that was less than a Commodore 64. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Less than that. Now, I know how much a Commodore 64 costs today. Right. How much? I have no idea. I mean, for nostalgia's sake? No, or? like, yeah, just <laughs> the using the power. parts. It'd be like 10 bucks. It's like a fucking calculator. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so the module that ran the, the... My point is, with all the technology we have right now, and with the old plans for, for what we use to get to the moon, it feels like we could just whip those plans out, pull the fucking car out of the garage, and blast people back to the moon if we felt like it. What would, what would that gain us, though? I think we've realized what that the cost... What would it cost... gain us? A fucking military base on the moon? Ooh. We could fucking drill... We could drill down into the moon. Why wouldn't we For want what? a base? For because, what? Because why, They're why would we saying, want a don't base? Don't touch our shit because you'll mess up our moon museum. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck are they talking about? They're already talking about building a Smithsonian up there. I think they yeah. realized that after a certain number of trips up there, like... We're oh, not... we're just done? Well, what, what do we have to gain? We can't gain by sending there's robots no, there's up not there. There's not a McDonald's It's really expensive to well, do no, it, but it's yeah, risky of human it, life. It was like, expensive back then. Right, but it was worth it to, to do it once. It's like going to the top of Everest. Like, we can so, do it. Is that right. when you should go every week? Like, yeah. You should. So you're saying that they're done with the moon. Well, I mean, I don't know what their plan is, but NASA's certainly the reason I, think, not I think we're pretty. I think the United States is pretty much done with the moon. The moon is like some old tramp that they yeah. fucked around. I, know, right I over. think so for now. Yeah, but yeah, but I see. Yeah, so I don't. To, that's to me doesn't make much sense because it seems like there would be such an incredible advantage to having a base up there, being able to put <sighs> telescopes up. Imagine that. Yeah, that'd be pretty the, That's not the, better than having just a, 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 a Hubble like out in space. Right. That's probably even better because the moon might have a yeah, slight... but all that free cheese. <laughs> oh, there we go. There it is, the cheese. 
we talked earlier. There, people do want to mine asteroids when they go by for their elements. And yeah, they're mining asteroids. And how about this, man? Here's the other thing that I, I don't understand. Why is it that using technology from the late 60s, yeah. we could get to the moon, but the Chinese are saying that they're not going to get there until like 2030? Well, I don't because they're Chinese. I don't know. Like, no, because those got their they got their shit together over there. I, I don't know the answer to that. I you mean, know, like, there are costs associated with it that aren't just suddenly going to go away once technology improves. You know, and there's risks of human life associated with it. I don't know. Like, and also the other stuff that was happening when they were doing the moon trips up there. Uh, you can because you could look at solar activity and the different solar flares that were happening when people yeah. were up there. Right. There's something called the Van Allen radiation belt that once you get from a certain distance out of the orbit of Earth, mm-hmm. the metal that they were using to shield them from the radiation from the sun would not work. In other words, like, you know, the radiation coming out of Chernobyl or that right. that intense radiation. Yeah. If you were to get into that tin can with that radiation blasting through you you would there would be some real like fucked up things that would happen to you and if you've ever seen the suits that those motherfuckers were wearing up there uh that's they're not that great man they're not like they're not they seem to be less than what people who were cleaning up after chernobyl were wearing and they're out there in the middle of space with intense solar radiation look at what the sun does to us here well, I mean, I know that they have, for instance, on the visors, they have like a plating of gold that, that blocks a lot of the harmful rays on the astronaut, on the spacesuits. I mean, I'm assuming they were able to get enough data from sending up earlier satellites yeah, to I figure mean, out what the protection they need would be. And actually speaking, this actually kind of goes into a... And they lost those fucking tapes. The tapes did. of what? Well, I, I mean, just tapes this. have gone missing. Also, dude, like we found tapes out- went missing. It's the <laughs> fucking moon landing. How do you lose the tapes? It's not like my dad's porn. This is the moon landing. This is the first time our species went onto an extraterrestrial object. Well, I guess the janitor misplaced them. Oh, I don't know. Where are we? Who knows? I don't know. They actually taped over with some star skewed out. Yes, yeah, exactly. So I forgot to mark a moon tapes. We found out that the rocks, right? The moon rocks. NASA has lost thousands of moon rocks. This is a story we did they a just ago. loan them out and then they forget who they loan them to. Like it's <laughs> sure. the worst. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, NASA's still a government agency. Like they're still just bumbling around. Dude, if you're drunk and you have moon rocks, you're definitely gonna give one to your friend. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, fucking take it, man. Dude, we got a fucking basement full of these. Go ahead. Take a big one for the kids. I'm gonna cut them with some earth rocks though. Yeah. There's, there's more of it to go around. Actually, this this is an interesting thing we talked about whether these things are legitimate. I just found out yesterday, thanks to Andrew Solmson. Do you know him? Yes. He posted on Facebook about how the, the Red Bull team is attempting to do the highest ever free fall. A guy is going to drop. Oh yeah, I heard about from this. the weather balloon at one hundred twenty thousand feet. He already tried it once, right? And if something went wrong, I know um, someone already tried that. He, and it went wrong. Well, let me bring up the article real quick because the more interesting thing was the history of of the former record holder, which happened in nineteen sixty. We haven't touched yeah, the guy's record from nineteen sixty. I did hear that. And the dude didn't even have a lot of the things that you need for this. Sorry, I'm still bringing it up here. Um, like when you're dropping from that height, the guy that went in 1960 went up to 80,000 feet. And for comparison's sake, most jets fly at about 30,000 or so. Wow. And you're above over 90% of the atmosphere. The guy, wow. t- I think he topped out at 600 miles an hour. 
where normal terminal velocity. Yeah, when you're just jumping out of an airplane to skydive, your terminal velocity is usually about 120, 600 miles an hour. And he didn't even have what's called a drogue chute, which keeps you from spinning out of control. Because if you start to like, if you don't angle your limbs right, if you start to horizontally spin, you can quickly fall into this spin that you'll be going about 240 RPMs, which is like four revolutions per second. It's 37 Gs. Yeah, you have no hope. Once that happens, you're You're dead. dead. To put it in, to, to put some perspective here, I, and I don't mean to brag, oh. but I have done the air cushion at Universal City Walk. Oh, nice. Have you ever done that where you lay on that thing of air and it's supposed to be yeah, like Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, it's like uh, you're just free floating in air because yeah. it's just like an air blowing, jet. You're stationary. And you're supposed to stand out. still and you got to hold your arms and legs in a certain way. It is the most humiliating experience. Like, <laughs> like toddlers and old yeah. Asian women go out on the air cushion. They're like, yeah, we're flying and they can do tricks. But I, I have no coordination. So like I would go into that death spin you got you started spinning like that? yeah you spin oh, and then really? you just like fall. it's very once you're like when you're when you're in that oh. situation it's really easy wow. when you don't have any any uh there's no when you're not touching anything it really is easy to start spinning yeah have you I'm have assuming. you gone skydiving literally and figuratively have you done skydiving no i no. after that Andy? shit i'd never do I've, that i've done it once. i did it yeah. once i i skydived completely out of spite my girlfriend really wanted to go <laughs> skydiving and wow. then she went to australia for three months and i didn't want to go skydiving at all but when she was gone i was like fuck her i'm gonna go skydiving oh. so i went skydiving <laughs> and then just like email i was like yeah i went skydiving today hated it so much that is, did I, you really I, hate I would, it? it was a tandem i'm assuming i, I was tandem i called it spite diving <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, I went spike diving That's healthy. Today. That's a good That's relationship. A funny way to get. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you're going to Australia for three months. I mean, do what you want to do. You know what? That is a cool. That's a relation. That's like a pa- two passive aggressive adventurers. Is yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's hilarious. We I mean, were trying to plan a trip to Europe. Now it's not going great. You know, you're lo- you don't don't mess this up, man. She sounds like a peach. Oh, really, she's fun. Seriously, uh, when she you wants go to-, to skydive, she's. She's yeah. sweet. No, like, she's what's a, she doing in Australia? She's a delight. She went and just uh, like studied all over there for like three months. So I was like, I want to go, but I don't have any money, what was she so studying? I can't go. She it was basically like a spring. It was it was like study abroad. So she was doing um, it was like green energies because she's a mechanical engineer. Oh, cool! But pretty much they just drank the whole time, and I was like, yeah, yeah. you could do that here in Chicago. Yeah. Well, she had fun. She did, and yeah. I didn't, so she won. You didn't enjoy this. The I didn't enjoy the skydiving one bit. Really? No, I was scared. I, I liked. Uh, I liked the fact that when I first jumped out with the dude, you're supposed to instantly splay out and you know have your arms and legs out so yeah. you stabilize. But I just kind of like brought everything in because I just wanted to tumble for a while. And uh, I sort of pissed the guy off. But I, yeah. that's the fun part when you're feeling like that. You weightlessness. are fucking crazy. <laughs> I would never you wanted f- to tumble for a while. Yeah, yeah feel the actual. You're brave, freefall. man. Now but then once we stabilized and he opened up the chute, like one corner was folded in under itself, and he was trying to yank on this thing and get it to open all the <gasps> way. And I'm looking up, I'm like, is that bad? And he wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't say anything. He's just yanking on it, trying to get it to open up. And I'm like, is that okay? And That's him getting revenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, like, he probably does guy. that to every smart ass yeah. who tumbles too much. Uh, I do like how in Point Break they skydive for about six minutes oh. of free fall, and it's just so much like air fiving. Like, oh, I'd love. Yeah. By the way, this guy who's going to jump from 120,000, 
he will f- free fall for for five minutes, and that will be the new world record. Wow. So no one's ever yeah. well. Can Reeves six some, minutes? There's some interesting things that go along with this. For one thing, he might actually break the the sound barrier, which is a little bit slower oh, yeah. because the air is well. First of all, when he jumps out of the thing initially, if he, if he does it at 120,000 feet, there's almost no air, so it won't even feel like skydiving because there'll be no resistance. He'll just be falling in space super fast and then eventually he will top out probably at about 690 or 700 miles an hour which would be about the speed the sound the Mach 1 at that altitude and pressure and they have no idea what happens when you're just a person who crosses a sound barrier it's yes. never happened like an unassisted they don't know what the shockwave might do to you I know oh what my it gosh. does because when, it, when an airplane crosses a sound barrier there are different shockwaves that form at the at the tip at the, at the nose at the wings different points when those come together it can cause so like they don't know it's possible like they said it could happen without incident. There's like without a fifty percent chance he's going to turn into a superhero. <laughs> exactly. Oh. There's so many things that could yeah. happen. And then they talked about earlier people that tried to do this, like Russians in the '60s who got like little leaks in their pressure suit when they landed, they were already dead. And then a dude who tried to do this who had no training had done one jump in 1963, tried to break the record in a totally self-funded thing. He didn't follow any protocol. Like he had a pressure suit and everything, but like he didn't have like a mission control manager to tell him you shouldn't shouldn't do these things. And I guess when you're about to go up to that elevation, you're supposed to spend like a solid hour breathing pure oxygen. Right. Just so, uh, I guess, so the decompression doesn't affect you as much. Um, but he had his helmet off like a few minutes before he went up. And someone's like, if, if, I, if, someone, if someone had worked on this with him, they would have not let him go. Um, and then they think he died on the way up because he opened his visor to clear off some condensation. <laughs> oh, man. He couldn't get it closed again because of the extreme <laughs> pressure then coming out of his suit. Uh, uh, yeah. So these, that's one guy that tried mor- to break the record. morons. Yeah. Morons. In this, well, it was the 60s. And like, think of all the 60s tale you would have gotten from being the guy, uh, a civilian that breaks this record. Oh, but man. The guy can that you imagine broke- astronaut pussy in the oh, 60s? It would be crazy. Oh, my God. Like, unfathomable. Unfathomable. Yeah. You can't. Uh, who would uh, be the worst to be at a party and have one of those guys show up? You'd be like, okay. You think you wouldn't have a shot? No, you wouldn't. Against a fucking astronaut? Not in like 68 no when that, that shit's peeking out. Handsome ass. Yeah, I'm, I know. <laughs> I'm thinking about it now. I'm, I'm already jealous. I'm jealous. Yeah, I'm pretty I jealous. Don't have a girl, I don't have a girlfriend. And just thinking about it makes me jealous <laughs> over nothing. Oh, yeah. Of a potential girlfriend you might have had in the 60s. You would have been stolen by <laughs> this guy. punch an astronaut now. Yeah. So what I was wondering is, do you think that guy was lying in the 60s? The guy who did this 70,000. This guy was a fucking badass. This Joe Kittinger. Because later in the decade... He actually he spent a year in the Hanoi Hilton. Like he's been through a lot, but he jumped at seventy thousand feet. Um, no, I'm sorry, he jumped at one hundred and two thousand feet. What do you mean he spent a, a year in the Hanoi Hilton? A prison, that a prison oh, camp. In, I was like, that Vietnam. sounds like a great Hilton. No, it's a it's sarcastic really, name it, for uh, a horrible. He had to do a real, it's really nice. Yeah, <laughs> he had it's to do really a nice. year in a Hilton. That yeah. sounds that's, way cool. That's where McCain got tortured. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh okay. Hilton. Yeah, <laughs> that's a nice. I'm surprised they had a Hilton in North Vietnam yeah, wow. in the '60s, but. Um, so yeah, this guy Joe Kittinger, look him up because he is a true American badass. Because he did this. 50, he's a real Kid no Rock. One's, no one's touched. He's him. a real Kid yes. Rock. No one's touched his record. Do they call him the Kid Rock of the sixties? He was that. So that's all it takes, man. Like in, in any of us, if if one of you guys could get high enough in the air and land and survive. Yeah, your not po- not spin out on the way down and die from that. Your podcast would be the oh, most successful sure. podcast on the planet. Well, I think it will a, be. A, among uh, high jumper uppers. 
No, every no, because it would get you would. Well, get, we could record a little bit on the way down. Yeah, like, this well, is so cool scary thing. right now. This, I'm breaking the I'm so scared. I see the face of Satan. <laughs> this guy who's doing this jump is going to have four HD cameras on him and in the balloon. Oh, it's going to be cool. awesome. Yeah. That is it's really either going to be awesome or it's going to be tragic. awful. Tragic. When yeah. you watch his eyes go rolling <laughs> down his head like scrambled eggs, yeah. like the he, end of Total Recall. Yeah, he's like oh, he's getting fucking heads going to do that Bull. thing in Jacob's Ladder, that yeah. back and forth. Wobble oh, thing, his teeth will come uh, out. <laughs> just be his, his skin on his skull flay open like that thing in in the thing. John right. Carpenter's a thing. Is br- all you'll see is his brain <laughs> pulsating in his yeah, helmet. But we're just, they're just gonna hope not. They're just going to hope it's not that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, when that just, starts happening on the that. ground, they'll be like, pan away from the Red Bull logo. Pan away from <laughs> yeah, the Red Bull yeah. logo. Cut away. Cut away. I bet that guy has to eat nine Ambien every night to sleep oh right now. God. The lead yeah. up to this thing. Oh, man. How fast do you think the Red Bull logo, they pull him away and it's just Rockstar Energy Drink underneath yeah. if he yeah. dies? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. instantly becomes Monster They energy. probably do have sponsors who are like, if he dies, I'll yeah. give you $5 million <laughs> if you show up my Pepsi logo or whatever. Because <laughs> that is the better. In a way, it's better for the sponsor if he dies. Oh, that's More a good people point. So they wouldn't want to. Okay, yeah. I was thinking they would like want to like disavow all knowledge of it. And, like, no, it's a different. No, who cares? All they want to do is get that symbol out there. That's true. They that's don't true. care if it's covered with fucking daredevil <laughs> brains. That's even better. It's just skydiver viscera all over their bulls. Yeah, if they could make this fucking eviscera form the Red Bull logo, they would do it. <laughs> Ooh, if they could figure go. out a way to do it, Red Bull fucking kills daredevils. Oh, I hope that's he doesn't what it die. Be. It really does scare me just thinking about it because yeah, it would be so. You it's going to be yeah. broadcast live. You know so why? We would see. Yeah, we're going to see it, and even if they cut away. You're going to watch it. Of course. Did you see that uh, this guy, Jeb Corliss, he d- he's a wingsuit skydiver who like... He, yes, uh, in the cardboard boxes? Yeah. No, no, not oh, that oh. guy. Uh, it's, a, it's a different guy, but ESP, uh, I mean, HBO Real Sports did a thing about him where they followed him around and talk about how dangerous what he does is and stuff like that. And while they were filming him, he clipped his foot on a cliff and like they thought he died, but he lived. He just like blew his leg up. But it was like, they're like, oh, here he goes on his last jump and he just... He's so crazy. He'll try to like hit balloons like five feet off the ground at cliffs doing like three, four hundred miles an hour, like so fast. This is in those fjords in Norway. That's what yeah. I always do, yeah. it, right? That's ins- they show the footage and I can't get the perspective of like what the angles on these hills are because it seems like it's sometimes they're almost flying more horizontal He's, than vertical. No, they yeah. do. He goes three foot forward for one foot down. So what? if he jumps off a cliff, wow. he can end up three miles from where he, wow. a, a one mile high cliff, he'll be three miles away. This is something to me that is so mind boggling that we get to exist in a time where humans are really flying, where people are flying. They're, they're, you know, it is flying on a descent, but they're still flying. And what you're talking about, the cardboard box guy, that this is the first time in human history that anyone landed without a parachute. Yeah. A guy jumped out of a helicopter from like what? 1200 feet. And then wings, it was, it was pretty high, but it wasn't incredibly high. Then he wings suited in with no parachute into a stack of cardboard boxes. Yes. This is never, this has never happened. Well, people survive falls. People survive falls, but that's not intentionally. Not intentionally. Usually they don't want to survive the fall quite often. They're trying to commit suicide (laughs) and they survive. But that what that guy did that's incredible man and that technology i know it's gonna it's gonna cardboard box technology they're they're gonna get better boxes for people to land in no they're they're gonna figure out ways to uh you land in a moon bounce 
Yeah, or some kind of revert. Like I don't know how. I, I that's something I think about sometimes. Yeah. Uh, is like how do you? How would you pull it off where you like slow down enough where you could land without the box and like just right. stand up walking? Like you just yeah. come down and then just kind of walk it out. Because then we've got flight. Then you've got real flight. Like yep. the big problem with those things yeah. is that you've got to parachute in. Well, you watch that footage. He kind of did a little stall out where he almost he he slowed a lot of his not only vertical but horizontal speed. Like by the time he hit, it seemed like he had kind of. You know what I mean? If I stall yeah. out, he kind of like went back up and it was yeah. kind of like a little dip and then it was like a gentle... Yeah. Like it almost like if he'd done it right, he almost could have, it seems like, landed on the ground and well, just tumbled crazy. out or something. Right. I, uh, I, got, I flew in a helicopter for the first time ever yesterday. Uh, part what? of a, a team building exercise. No shit. We went to Catalina with my work wow. and then we took a fucking helicopter back. Was it awesome? It was the coolest thing ever, yeah. It was really cool. I, like, and then when we got in, they... You got to wear the headphones, and the pilot was listening to "Love Is a Battlefield." So was, he was like, "He was like, do you guys want music?" He's like, "Music, yes or no?" And we're, I was like, "Turn it up!" It was really cool. And then I got a temporary tattoo from where we went called Island Ooh. Express. Pretty cool. Cooler nice. than your real tattoos. Cooler than my real tattoos. <laughs> I will freely admit that. Yes, much cooler. We've discussed those uh, too much. I'm scared of helicopters, though, for a number of reasons. I mean, they obviously crash a lot more often than planes. And I recently uh, found out that the footage of Vic Morrow dying on the set of Twilight Zone, that was during a shoot, and it was captured by three cameras, and it's on YouTube, and I made the mistake of watching that. Ah. And I wa- like. What what? Is the, can you describe the footage? Yeah, well, I mean, it's about? not even that. It's not that bloody because well, I don't okay, know. First it. of all, the the Twilight Zone movie was made in the eighties, and it was a, it was a, an anthology. Four different directors. John Landis is one involved. This guy who gets transported to all these different places and has to experience life as all the races that he hates. So he's in Vietnam. He is a Vietnamese dude trying to rescue his kids as the American choppers are coming in. Uh, they had these two little girls, these little Vietnamese girls, on the shoot who weren't even allowed to be there. They snuck him in because it was a middle-of-the-night shoot. Like, the union stuff wouldn't have even let him be there. And as he and is holding these girls up, running through this shallow water, there was an accident where the pyrotechnics, like, blinded the helicopter pilot. Pilot landed perfectly where his rotor chopped up all three of them. Uh, yeah, there was a lawsuit that went for, like, 10 years. John Landis managed to escape uh, without any kind of... He, d- he wasn't convicted of anything, but he was like a colossal asshole throughout yeah. the whole trial process. Wow. But the footage is nuts because the rotors just hit him and they're just gone. Dude, when I mean, I, just obliterates What him. do you mean he was an asshole? He was trial. he was unrepentant. Like he was, uh, I guess. It was, it, I didn't make Vietnamese girls. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help it if their necks are weak. <laughs> Dude, when I went to get in the helicopter, I it's probably the rotors are probably twenty feet high, but like I crouched so low, I was like, I don't chop my head off. Yeah. Like I was just so worried. I was like, I'm gonna chop my head off on this. That woman. Uh, it's not a helicopter, but there was that model. Oh my god! I don't even want to think about that. Oh, she did oh, do that. Yeah, yeah. It was just so walked into a, a fucking uh, airplane propeller. And in my mind, I just, I, I, it's not fair, but in my mind, I just know she was texting. Don't oh, you know she yeah. was texting? I mean, she might have been, but does that tweeting. mean she deserved that, you know? No, that's not an yeah, appropriate still, punishment for yeah. for a bad tweet, but still, yeah. she should have paid attention. I mean, that when you consider one of the deadliest things for a human being is to not pay attention. That is the most dangerous yeah. way to be. Every day that's I true. don't crash my car, I'm like, wow, that was... Way to go today, because I'm yeah. always doing shit. I'm like, what am I? I'm looking at my phone. I'm doing 80 yeah, I mean, miles an hour. I got to admit, getting over here was so stressful because I was trying to avoid the highway because it wasn't moving at all. So I was like navigating side roads in Burbank and Glendale on my phone in rush hour, looking at the map. Like, it's so you know. dangerous. All right. We'll Sorry. talk about another dangerous thing in South America with the next science story, and that is fucking bats are still killing people still. in 2012. 
What do you mean? Seven kids have been bitten by bats and died in Peru in rabies? the last. Yeah, rabies in the last like two months. Seven kids have bit from aged eleven months to fourteen have been bitten by bats and died. That's a terrible death. It's the worst. Also, eleven month old baby. How is the where's the bat? Where's the parents that they're like bats are swooping in and isn't, biting your isn't child? Isn't rabies death kind of similar to the prion disorders like mad cow disease and shit? It does the same kind of thing where it like causes a a, a profound personality change. I bet, yeah. I hydropho- totally bet. Hydrophobia, this kind of like it's almost like you're possessed by a demon wow. when you get rabies. It's not. It's like a real Oof. awful neurological yeah. death. These are these have all happened in Peru as well. So what did they say was the reason they think it all happened there? No, I evil mean, just because be- that's where these bats are. That's where these vampire what bats are. Yeah, no, Peru, Peru's uh, they got, I mean, it's just like in the rainforest section because the Amazon does go through part of Peru. No, it said a remote region about 721 miles southeast of the capital Lima. Uh, so I don't know where that is. How, how far southeast of Lima? Seven hundred miles. Oh, geez. Okay, that's that's, so pretty, that's, clo- that's, that's pretty close to the Bolivian border. That's like Lake Titicaca area, probably. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, only, sounds... I, I I'm not that worldly, but I went to Peru Jesus. for a couple months. Yeah, you you pretty much nailed like seven hundred miles southeast. Wait, how Lima. far mm. is the pro? That's Super just near the Exabatem. If you go to Peru, let me recommend you go to Ica. There's a cool little oasis that's southeast of Lima. All right, check out let's Manchaco let's do let's go through up there. questions here. Favorite vampire fictional. Or real, Duncan. Who's your favorite vampire? Oh my! um, Well, I gotta. I definitely like. I have two different types of favorite vampires. (laughs) Okay. If I'm if we're going for like classic vampire, I think we've asked this question before. I don't know, but yeah. Okay, favorite classic vampire. Nosferatu is the is the creepiest vampire. The one with the long fingers, really spooky, old school. That's that's the that's the that's a scary fucking vampire. That's a what's he from? What's his like story? Nosferatu, Nosferatu. self titled movie. Was it the first vampire movie? I think it was one. I I don't know if it was the first, but it certainly was one of the first. It was before. Yeah, this was when vamp. This is before vampires turned into like glitter vampires. Like that's as of. Well, when did that really? When did vampires start becoming cool? Like the seventies, a little bit. They were like, oh, vampires, vampires are- started getting cool with Interview with a Vampire. Okay, yeah. With- what about like David Bowie? As the vampire in that seventies yes, movie, yes, yes, that was a cool fucking vampire. You're right, you're called. right, you're right. Yeah, you're totally right. And then there was black exploitation vampire. There was Blackula. There was Blackula. You're to- I was so wrong to say that. From- no, I mean I don't. And know I said it was such about, expertise. So. You're absolutely right, man. Vampires <laughs> were cool as fuck in the seventies. Yeah. I was totally wrong. Um, okay, so the, this Nosferatu, right? Is that yeah. his name? This he is what was, uh, in the thirties. The Willem Dafoe movie Shadow of the Vampire is about the actor Max Schreck who played Nosferatu. You ever heard oh. of that? Movie? He's just a spooky son of a bitch. Man. Okay. And then your favorite? What What was the other type of vampire that you're talking about? Then once we, it's gonna, I'm gonna have to say Lestat from the from an interview of the vampire. Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like if I'm going fictional vampire, I don't know because I I think I Vlad the Impaler just in general. That guy was a monster who he like wasn't dragged. fictional, was he? No, he's a real guy, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying that's who I always go to. It's like vampire, but if I because I don't, I don't know fictional vampire. Who do I think was the coolest? Can I, you tell, you, the can I tell you my favorite Vlad? I asked the question. I don't. Can I tell you my favorite Vlad the Impaler joke? Yes. No, I mean story. <laughs> yeah. Stop me. Stop, stop me if you've heard it. Okay. Um, you know the one about so Vlad the Impaler uh, would. Uh, he was, uh, what was his favorite thing? He would Impaling? impale. Yes. <laughs> he just stick shit up your ass. It was his hobby. He was an impaler. It was yeah. his thing. So um, <clears throat> the story goes that he like was was terrifying everyone 
because he impaled every week. He could get impale you. He liked to impale you. So that's not a fun person to hang out with, but he would have. <laughs> yeah, like he would stick you on a stick alive and you would slowly die. It took you like three or four days to yeah, die. Long, from a bad pain. death. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. When you see, is this one of those things where like you're squ- you're standing over a thing that's going up your butt and then you yeah. slowly slide onto it? Yeah. Like yes. One of those. Oh, it's man. like, you're, it's, it's just, you're going to, you're, you're, but you're going to go, into, you're going to go into shock. You're going to, yeah. you're, you're, I don't know if you're going to last three days with a fucking right. wooden pole in your ass. I think you're going to fucking blink out pretty quick. You're going to hemorrhage and bleed. I don't Ugh. know about three days. You've got to have a leathery asshole to survive on a, <laughs> on a spike. But so according to this story, you would have to have like a calloused, just the a, catcher's mitt of an ass. Yeah. Your ass would have to be. Well oiled. <laughs> well, you think there was someone who just didn't die? <laughs> you just, just somebody was who like just lived up there yeah. and ate crows. Hey, Vlad, this is great. Like, <laughs> God damn it, Gary, oh. you're supposed to be dead. Good. <laughs> <You> sh- <laughs> Gary's not working. Oh, you got up. me. I don't know what these accents were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got me because yeah. they all had the Dracula accents back then. Right? Um, ah, ah. Takes more than that to kill me. <laughs> But Blah, I like it. Blah. All right. That is more terrifying than Vlad the <laughs> yeah. Impaler is yeah. the guy with a catcher mitt asshole. Who, anyway, okay. the story goes that he would, because this guy was a dick, and I guess when he invited you to his parties, you had to come because he would <laughs> impale kill you. you. Yeah. So, like, he would have, he had a dinner party in his courtyard surrounded by all these corpses who had been impaled right. and supposedly some drunk at the dinner party was like that it's you know it's hard for me to eat because the smell of the rotting corpses and vlad was i guess was probably just waiting for someone to sass off and was like well then let me take you to where the air is fresher uh, and had him put on a fucking geez, pole. Fucking, of course he did. That's nuts. All right, uh, fav- favorite vampire. <laughs> of course he did. Like you know him. No, of course. Vlad, Vlad. vintage Vlad. That is classic, classic Vlad. He's like he's like one of the most evil people oh, in history. This guy's a nightmare. Um, and then, he, then his friends inside are just like. It's just Vlad being Vlad, you guys. That's a great name for a sitcom yeah. about Vlad the Impaler. Oh, Vlad. Oh, yeah. Vlad. Oh man. <laughs> Were you asking what my favorite vampire uh, is? Okay, who's your favorite vampire? I, I still don't know. Strong. I mean, I guess I would go with like uh, I did like Gary Oldman in the Bram Stoker Dracula movie. That was pretty cool. I don't know if I've ever seen. Uh, well, I guess I don't fucking know. I'd ever watch vampire movies. I was so scared of scary movies when I was little. So scared. Vampire movies watched. are never that scary. Yeah, though. but dude, I I fought off every scary movie. If anybody was like, it Wait, happens at yeah. night, I'd be like, I can't watch it then. Salem's Lot was pretty fucking scary, dude. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. That's Stephen King, right? At least when it came out at our age, when it came out, it was pretty scary. What was the? It, it Isn't the va- Lost Boys about vampires? Yeah, yeah. but that was just. That's not but I don't know what. It, I, you guys, I'm just going to fucking pick D- Tom Cruise because I don't know any other vampires. I got to get on board. It's not bad. Lewis. I don't know. I'll watch it. I'm going to watch those and I'll come back with some more. Nice. Um, you ready for the next topic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm still looking for which tab it's. Oh, I keep too many tabs open. Yeah, you do. Andy currently has four, 42 tabs 42 open. 42 tabs. Um. Well, geez, I wasn't going to talk about this, but like mushrooms came up earlier because uh, Duncan is working on a show called Worked on a show. It's okay, done. it's not it, going to happen. It didn't happen. Okay, well, it was a pilot you made for a Comedy pilot Central for Comedy Central called Thunderbrain. And when I looked it up, I found a video on Funny or Die that was called The Stoned Ape. That yeah. was inspired by, I guess, Terrence McKenna's theory of how yes. the neocortex developed by by monkeys accidentally eating uh, psychedelic mushrooms. Yep. 
And um, I don't know if you'd heard about this, but in the last year, there's been a lot of articles about using psilocybin, however you pronounce it, psilocybin, to treat depression and to help people who are dealing with terminal cancer deal with you know end of life issues and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Have you heard about that? No. Yeah. I, I actually uh, interviewed. Um, some people who are are doing the uh, that kind of research. I, I got to interview a couple of people from uh, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies (MAPS), and they are doing FDA approved wow. research into this, um, and also a lot of research with MDMA. And um, yeah, they're they they're, the they're finding what's really cool about these studies that they're doing with psilocybin is the stuff they're using is synthetic. And what that means is it's easily measured out. So right. you can give you can. The problem with mushrooms is it's like any any other thing. There's no like there's no rules when a mushroom's growing. There's no rule about yeah. how much psilocybin is in each stem or in each cap. So when you take a dose of mushrooms, you're going off of grams, and you're kind of it's a crapshoot. You're yeah. you're not able to modulate the experience with the efficiency of what you can do when you're dealing with the the doses that that come from synthetic psilocybin. So they're yeah. able to tune in these very specific mind states that it's a little trickier to do when you're chomping on yeah it sounds like difference between eating smoking yeah, yeah. weed versus eating wheat like you never know what you, you never ate. know even with the stuff from the dispensaries it's still uh, it's very rare to find a cookie or a gummy bear or whatever the thing is that they've put the thc in where each dose brings a similar state right. to you so that was one cool thing about it is what they're the stuff that they're doing is is they can bring you to a very specific place it's yeah. not random and so they know a specific place that they can bring people to who are afraid of death and who, who are going to die because they have cancer and that's a place where you're like hey guess what there's fucking elves yeah. There's interdimensional <laughs> beings, so I don't know how that relates to you dying, but there's a lot more to the universe. But hey, here they are. That's yeah. awesome. Do with this what you will. Yeah, yeah. But you know the 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 um the uh, the Johns Hopkins study in particular is really an interesting study because, and I, I didn't read the papers on it, but from what the media is putting out, the interesting thing about that study is they made a point of. Using people who never had taken psilocybin and who maybe normally wouldn't, so we're dealing with like like housewives right. and people with a kind of like not fringe existence. And what's really fascinating about the results is they that up to uh, six months or a year later, the people are still reporting. Yeah, that's what uh, this that, that they're said, they're yeah. more tuned into life. Their relationships oh, cool. have increased, improved. They appreciate life more. And this, you know, this to me really shines a spotlight on what I consider to be one of the great tragedies of what some people have called the pharmacological inquisition, which is the uh, present dark ages that we're in because of the prohibition and the use of psychedelics is that mm -hmm. many of the world's religions have their roots in some form of psychedelic that or or, 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 or uh, the ingestion of cannabis to create psychedelic mood states uh in the context of ceremony mm -hmm. and that's completely fucking gone now so well you can have ceremony if you want you can go do a catholic mass or you can go to a um 
uh, uh, you know, a variety of religious services that you want to go to, but you're probably going to go to those things sober. In fact, there's a 99.9% chance that you're going to go to those things sober because they would admonish you if you went there super high. But if you really want to go have a great fucking time, man, (laughs) chomp on some edible marijuana, like a high, high, high dose of edible marijuana and go to a Gnostic Christian mass where they pray to demons. Go, (laughs) go do that, my friend. And you'll suddenly see that this is a lot better than a fucking laser light show. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's the roots of music is good. I would would just, I would die. You wouldn't die. No, I mean, I would have panic attacks. No, you would terrible. You would fucking weep when the incense is burning and the bells are ringing and some ancient chant is happening talking about how the entire universe is just a veil covering up the truth. It's perfect when you're baked. All right. That sounds pretty sweet. It does. It does. And like, yeah, these studies um, did show the same thing that you mentioned where the people have long, long term positive effects from mushrooms. Uh, This one study was done at uh, Imperial College London. And let's see, one of the studies asked 10 volunteers to recall particularly happy memories like getting married or becoming a parent, both with and without psilocybin. And the people found the memories much more vivid, visual, and happy while under the influence, which I guess seems kind of intuitive. Um, In the second study, 30 volunteers lay in an MRI machine while tripping for science. And the brain scans showed less activity in areas of the brain that may act as connectors or hubs. One of those areas, the posterior cingulate cortex, is thought to figure in consciousness and ego it's also hyperactive in people with depression. So I guess it kind of tones down that part of your brain that has those negative thoughts. Oh, that's cool. So those positive things to be said. The other article, um, let's see. And this is the same one. But there was another. Yeah, I read the one about the woman dealing with uh, end-of-life issues and how it helped. So it just says uh, this psilocybin enlightens you, makes you think well, uh, let's see. more clearly. Okay, here's life. the one about the woman who had incurable stage 4 cancer and... Um, She's participating in this FDA-approved research being conducted at NYU, and they're examining whether psilocybin can be used to treat anxiety and depression in patients with advanced cancer. And let's see, they said, um, I've been very surprised in terms of patients having reductions or resolution of death anxiety, and NYU addiction specialist Dr. Stephen Ross told CNN, it decreases depression, they're living their lives more meaningfully. So, I mean, I guess if you're okay with having medical marijuana for whether or not people use it for what it's ostensibly for, which I don't really care if they do or not, you know, if you have that, why not have this? If it's going to help people who are dealing with, like, oh, yeah. their life is ending. Oh, soon. it's it's, it's listen, we, it's a, it's a it's a beautiful thing that, and maybe it's I don't know if it's because of Obama. I know Obama has a kind of been a cunt when it comes to busting dispensaries, or at least his administration has. But whoever in the government has yeah. loosened the reins a little. You know who fucked the whole goddamn thing up, right? You know who fucked the whole thing who up? Who started the fucking up? No, who fucked know. this up? Who? Timothy fucking Leary went and went, oh. like was a showman about all this stuff where like there were there were people who really wanted there, there were psychologists who were really discovering the uh, incredible therapeutic benefits from inducing psychedelic states in people and then you know Leary started going around doing the whole tur- tune in turn on drop out oh fucking drop God. out of society man and he turned the whole thing into this kind of like revolutionary super threat to people and the end result is like there's been this goddamn dark ages when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, no, that sounds. Uh, Timothy Leary is. I don't know. He doesn't have. Wasn't he just a? He was just a huge showman of LSD, right? I don't have a three prong. We got to wrap it up. Okay. All right. 
end of podcast. Let's end. Well, it's not quite dead yet. Okay, here. Let me let me just go through these real quick, and then when it cuts out, it cuts out because these are the top ten best, uh, top ten newest. Um, uh, species groups discovered in 2011. So I'll just go through them real quick. Uh, the most interesting, they discover like 20,000 new species every year, which is crazy to me. That is crazy. Um, Do you so, ever think that those things just blink into our universe from another dimension and they didn't exist before? Well, they're they're all like in Borneo and like way deep in these jungles. I think they're crawling remember. out of the center of the earth. <laughs> it might be. Couldn't it just could be, be places we decided not to go until now. I mean, they're not even like small things. The number one thing is a sneezing monkey. It's a snub-nosed monkey. I've found... seen that thing. Is that the noseless monkey? Well, I, I don't know if it's nose. Yeah, it is noseless. Yeah, it's oh. Yeah. It looks like Michael ah. Jackson. No, it looks like that. It looks like the lady whose face got bit yep. off by a monkey. Yeah. Oh, I thought eye. you meant the one on CNN recently. It does look like Michael Jackson. It looks like Michael Jackson to me. Uh, it just says it's believed to be critically endangered. It has mostly black fur and a white beard, and it sneezes when it rains. So that's like a crazy new thing. It doesn't have a nose, and the water gets in its oh, bucket. Yeah, and it's there. named it's named Rhino Rhinopithecus Strikeri, and named in honor of John Stryker, founder of the Arcus Foundation. But doesn't that sound like a gay porn star? Yeah, John, it does. John Stryker? It sounds yeah. like the guy who created Wolverine in yeah. the X-Men movies. Okay. Okay. Rhinopithecus Sterecki. All right. All right. Another cool one is a Bonaire banded box jelly. Uh, it's just this like really cool looking jellyfish that looks like a, a box kite. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, yeah, it looks it looks really cool. It it's was. He's got yellow tendrils and a blue body. Or yeah. is that some kind of doctored picture? Of it? No, that was it. It's it's, it was found in the Dutch island of Bonaire, uh, and it Bonaire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bonaire. Well, it's how <laughs> okay. fancy people call them boners. Yeah. Like if you're rich, you have a Bonaire. This is why all you say Bonaire. 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 Uh, then there is another one found called. So uh, yeah, sorry. sorry. Bring in the funny. Uh, this one called Devil's. <laughs> me laugh too much. Uh, I'm upset with myself by how much. That this is the Bonaire. first episode we've taped while drinking wine. Maybe there's a specific. You guys are giggly. Uh, yeah. Devil's Worm, and it's called Devil's Worm because it is the. Is that uh, from the island of Boner? It's from. Yeah, Bonaire. No, this one is from. Uh, Which is not happening. The, devil, no, I'm just, the devil's worm from the island of Boner. This is actually just the worm that's in the bottom of most tequila glasses. No, it's uh, found a mile deep in South African gold mine, Ugh. and it's the deepest living multicellular that's organism cool. on the planet. So that's why they call it the devil's worm because it's so it lives so far um, deep. I live so far deep. Uh, then there's a night blooming orchid that is in Papua New Guinea, and it has flowers that uh, open. It blooms at 10 p.m. and closes early in the morning, and it's the only orchid known to bloom at night. There's this. Did they say why it would bloom at night. That doesn't. It uh, seems like no, it this is be... just a really quick. It's a top ten list, Andy. Okay. It's sorry, just quick. Sorry. Just breezing through it here. Uh, then there's a parasitic wasp. That's a tiny parasite from Spain that cruises just a half inch off the ground looking for ants, which is crazy that we just discovered a species in Spain where. People have lived I'm for 20,000 years. telling you, man, things years. are blinking in. All right. Maybe. I will give you that one. It Not, just showed no up. No, maybe. That one just 100% showed up. 100% for sure. Okay. <laughs> this one is legitimately called Sponge SpongeBob SquarePants Mushroom. Well, that's that's a scientist that gave up. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's its scientific name is Spongiforma SquarePants. That's a drunk scientist in his lab who's pissed and is just about to I bet up. that he just has like a two-year-old and he's like, you go ahead and name it. And she's like, SpongeBob. He's like, God damn it. I shouldn't have said that you could name it. Um, it's from the island of Borneo and the mushroom is unusual in that its fruiting body can be squeezed like a sponge and still bounce back into shape. 
Then there's these Nepalese autumn poppy. This tall yellow poppy from Nepal mm. lives at an altitude above 19,800 feet. Um, it blooms in autumn and is thought to have been collected before but not recognized as a distinct species. There's a giant millipede from uh Tanz- Tanzania. I don't know why I couldn't say that. Tanzania. It's tempting to say Tanzania. I yeah, I wanted mean. to say yeah. Tanzania, uh, but it it is fucking huge. It's like the size of a sausage, and it's a millipede. Ooh, no, that's thanks. terrifying. Yeah, that's the it's worst six thing on the list. inches long, and that's it's the world's no, largest millipede. Next. Uh, there's a walking cactus on that guy. Yeah, no, thank you. Walking cactus. This uh, keep going. Is this fossil of an extinct group known as Lepobidia? I don't know. Looks more like a cactus than an animal, uh, and it has a worm-like body. It has a worm-like body with multiple pairs of legs. Oh, it sounds like they met my ex-wife. Oh, 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 oh. And the, on that note, we do, we're about to lose power. Okay, here. the last one is a tarantula oh, that they found in Brazil. And so uh, it's found uh, in no the Flat Top Mountains thank you. in Brazil. So no thanks, tarantula. Duncan, do you have any shows coming up you want to mention? Yeah, I'm going to be at the Arlington Draft House this oh, weekend that place coming up awesome. with Natasha. No, next weekend, whatever that is, June 1st or something. Okay, June that'll 3rd. be, we'll put this Go one Go to my website, DuncanTrussell.com. It's all there. Yeah. And I'll be I'll be at the Crystal Bar in Portland on June third with Reggie Watts. DuncanTrussell.com. Go watch Andy. Uh, we're at Probably Science, and then follow Duncan at Duncan Trussell and his podcast, Duncan Trussell Family Hour at DuncanTrussell.com. Awesome, it's a great one. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks for having those us. pussies. Wet. Yeah. Hey. Hey.